Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I'm Audrey Rinlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. We're going to talk for a few minutes today about the two great laws. So when Jesus was on the earth, you know, he went around and did a lot of teaching and preaching. And at one point, he was asked a very pointed question. He, someone said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So in other words, if you had to strip everything down to one thing, what's the one thing? What does the law all boil down to? And Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, the four foundational laws of life mission are completely encompassed in these two simple laws. Because One of the greatest things that my education has taught me is I did not have the first idea what love was. I went into it, you know, with at first I was going to, you know, finish up a degree and and I found this liberal arts school and then I got turned on to self-education and I've just been reading great stuff ever since and it's been such a joy and it's taken me places I didn't expect it to take me. And I think part of that is because I was so determined to harmonize what was quote secular with what was quote spiritual. I wanted to link everything and find all the connections. And so when I was reading a great classic novel or when I was reading something in psychology, I was keyed in to words that kind of seemed spiritual, you know, uh, or were things that were talked about in the spiritual realm or or to those actions or ideas or stories where those kinds of things took place. And love was a huge one. And I really have come to this new place in my understanding. I, I'm still just kind of scratching the surface. But um, M. Scott Peck, and, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts, it's in the book, it's in the MDM Academy. He taught me this definition of love that uh, really has made a huge impact in my life. He taught it as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. But of course, he's not the only one that taught that. Um, The idea of the will and the need to extend the will to love is taught by many, many, many great people, which I didn't understand. We're going to touch base with three of them today. Other greats that come to mind or Mother Teresa, um, Martin Luther King Jr., and of course, Tolstoy, and, and so many others. So Jesus said, if I had to boil everything down to one thing, it's love. And there's three things you're supposed to love. You're supposed to love God, and your neighbor, and yourself. And I don't expect you, and this is fascinating to me, I expect you to love God first, because if your eyes are pointed up, 
if your heart is in the right place, then a lot of things are going to work out okay that wouldn't otherwise, if you're really trying to follow God. But the thing I think that's fascinating about what Jesus taught here is that we don't, well, two things. First of all, that we're supposed to love ourselves. That was really eye-opening to me. I did not understand it. It's interesting because I, when I was getting uh, the Mission Driven Mom started up, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big social media person. It's hard for me to post. I don't like to take the time and I'm just busy with other things. And so I, I wasn't much of an Instagrammer and I decided I'd better hire someone to get Instagram started for me and to kind of teach me how to do it. And so I found a girl who's really super dependable and um, really knew what she was doing. And she kind of had her team and I filled out a probably a 12 page packet for her on everything about MDM and what we believe and who we are and asked answered dozens of questions about our, our target audience and our core values so that she could really understand what we were about. And so she took all that and she reiterated it to me and it sounded pretty good. It sounded like she really knew what she was doing. And so then she was going to go with her team and they were going to present an image on Instagram for Mission Driven Mom. Well, it was really fascinating what happened because I don't know if some of the message, some of the values or goals got missed in translation, but what started happening is that they connected with that concept of when I talked about loving yourself, they turned that into self-love. And when they read through the book and it said self-care and self-management, they translated that into self-care. And so whoever it was that was responsible for going in and following other Instagram feeds used those tag words and thought it was a great idea. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't seen it for myself. But for several weeks, whenever I went into, well, it, it happened over time and I had to kind of nip it in the bud. But when I would go into my Instagram and look at the MDM feed, there was pornography on it. Um, not blatant, like totally, totally nude, like you would pay money for it but really uh, very disgusting, inappropriate stuff. And I learned as I saw those and unfollowed them that they were almost always the self-love and self-care people. Those were the hashtags they were using. And uh, it's interesting too, because when I've introduced these concepts to you know some people that I know or they hear about the idea of loving yourself in the book and things, there's this red flag. Oh no, you know, just don't do that. You know, there's too much of that in the world. And I get that. I really do because it's something that, that I was concerned about talking about. And I just thought, okay, well, it's important. Clearly it's important to God that we do in fact love ourselves. And so I'm going to have to put it in the right terms, which is why you know, I talk so heavily about principles and we discipline ourselves to live those principles. And, and I'm going to get, I'm going to read you, there's going to be a bit of a kind of a hodgepodge experience today, because I just want to read you some different quotes and sections from some books that I love. 
about this idea of these two great laws and what it really means to love ourselves and to love others because I want to kind of flesh this out and help you see why this is so important and to make this connection because it was it was so interesting to me that we are commanded to love ourselves or at least expected that we would love ourselves and then in conjunction with that we are told that we will love we thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself so this is also fascinating because we're not commanded to love others more than we love ourselves. We're only commanded to love them as much as we love ourselves. Did you ever think about that? And, and I want to read you something that Scott Peck said, and I, I've quoted this other places. But I think he really hits on something here that correlates to this particular scripture, he says, indeed, as has been pointed out, we are incapable of loving another unless we love ourselves, just as we are incapable of teaching our children self-discipline unless we ourselves are self-disciplined. It is actually impossible to forsake our own spiritual development in favor of someone else's. We cannot forsake self-discipline and at the same time be disciplined in our care for another. We cannot be a source of strength unless we nurture our own strength. As we proceed in our exploration of the nature of love, I believe it will become clear that not only does self-love and love of others go hand in hand, but but that ultimately they are indistinguishable. And I think he must be onto something here because this is what I see in this verse, and that is that, I am supposed to love myself and I'm supposed to love others as I love myself. Now, it can be the same amount as I love myself. It could also be in the same way as I love myself. And if I look at God's commandments as natural laws, and if I look at his His um, behavior toward me as love, and, and this is another thing that really kind of clued me into a better understanding of love. And that was to really try to analyze how God works with me. Because when I'm keyed into how God works with me, I start getting a whole lot more clear about what love really means. And so one of the things I want to address first is this idea of will. Because this Scott Peck quote says, the will to extend oneself. So here's C.S. Lewis on this exact idea. Love in the Christian sense, he says, does not mean emotion. It is not a state of the feelings, but of the will. He goes on to say, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. And that idea, clued, I, I, I had that idea in my mind when I reread, I think it was last year, The Brothers Karamazov. Oh, I love that book. And it teaches this lesson so beautifully. Because what you see in that book over and over again is that when we misuse others, when we mistreat them, and and this is hard to, to swallow, but it's true, when we also do it to ourselves, 
when we don't keep commitments to ourselves, when we don't take care of our own needs, when we discount our our deepest desires and we lay them aside for the frivolous wants of others, we are we are telling ourselves and teaching ourselves that we aren't important and that we don't matter. And and we come to dislike ourselves. And in the Brothers Karamazov, I mean, I can't, I, I don't know if you're familiar with it all, Sostoyevsky. Um, and, and it's about a family and there's a horrible drunken dad and it's about these brothers and an illegitimate brother and, and what happens between them. But it, it really displays this principle that when we mistreat someone, we come to dislike them more. You could give a simple, obvious example of the Nazis. As they mistreated others, their consciences were damaged to the point that, that they, they felt less and less guilt, and um, they came to hate those that they misused and treated poorly. So it is true that as we act in loving ways, we come to truly love others, and eventually the feelings will follow. So this reminds me of this little segment from Seven Habits. This, of course, is Stephen Covey. This actually is in habit one, being proactive. And he's talking specifically about um, being reactive in our relationships because this whole section is about learning to to um, be response-able, breaking down that word responsibility and being able to respond to the problems that we faced in appropriate and mature ways rather than reacting And so he shares this story. At a seminar where I was speaking on the concept of proactivity, a man came up and said, Stephen, I like what you're saying, but every situation is so different. Look at my marriage. I'm really worried. My wife and I just don't have the same feelings for each other we used to have. I guess I just don't love her anymore and she doesn't love me. What can I do? The feeling just isn't there anymore, I asked. That's right, he reaffirmed. And we have three children we're really concerned about. What do you suggest? Love her, I replied. I told you, the feeling just isn't there anymore. Love her, Covey said again. You don't understand. The feeling of love just isn't there. Then love her, Covey goes on. If the feeling isn't there, that's a good reason to love her. But how do you love when you don't love? My friend, love is a verb. Love, the feeling, is a fruit of love, the verb. So love her, serve her, sacrifice, listen to her, empathize, appreciate, affirm her. Are you willing to do that? He goes on to talk about love. He says, it's something you do. The sacrifices you make, the giving of self, like a mother bringing a newborn into the world. Love is a value that is actualized through loving actions, Proactive people subordinate feelings to values. Love the feeling can be recaptured. Um, There's a really cool story. Um, My husband was doing marriage therapy. And uh, we tell the story often of a woman who didn't know her husband was unhappy in the marriage. She knew she was unhappy. And he filed for divorce. And she found out by getting the divorce papers in the mail. And she started working with my husband. And he just told her to love her husband. Just told her 
to do loving actions over and over and over again for him. And she, of course, fell back in love with him. Uh, Unfortunately, at least at the beginning, he refused to take loving actions. He said it didn't matter and um, that he was tired of people telling him that and that it didn't work. And so he refused to take loving actions and, of course, continued to struggle in the marriage. So here's this, um, here's this paradox then that, uh, we are commanded to love our neighbor and for a good conscientious individual, we're all ready to do that. Um, except for a couple things. One is this paradox that we can only love others as much as we love ourselves. And the other that often that neighbor that we need to love is right inside our own home. And that's really where um, the rubber hits the road. I want to read you something that, um, let me see. This is something that Peck said, I think. He says, indeed, Well, let me say this first. There is frequently something pathetic about the individual who has failed to build his or her family into a loving unit, yet restlessly searches for loving relationships outside the family. Indeed, if one can say that one has built genuinely loving relationships with a spouse and children, then one has already succeeded in accomplishing more than most people accomplish in a lifetime. That, that is so true and so beautiful. And, and it's echoed by Covey who, and I don't know if I can find this either. I didn't mark this out, but in the beginning of seven habits, he quotes, um, someone who said that to give yourself entirely to one person is harder than to give yourself to the world. And it is, it is so true. You know, so often we, we want to do grand things in the world instead of doing grand things in our own homes. And we want to give ourselves to the world rather than giving ourselves to our, um, to our spouses. He tells this, um, he goes on to say in this other, um, section, some of the difficulties about this is this is Peck. Some of the difficulties about loving. He says, Love is not simply giving, it is judicious giving and judicious withholding as well. It is judicious praising and judicious criticizing. It is judicious arguing, struggling, confronting, urging, pushing, and pulling, in addition to comforting. It is leadership. The word judicious means requiring judgment and judgment requires more than instinct. It requires thoughtful and often painful decision-making. And in this section, he's making the point that, um, in order to really love ourselves, our neighbors, our God, we have to be judges. We have to be wise. We have to be just which is something that correlates with natural law. And, and there's some cool concepts about that actually in level two of the academy that we get into really deeply, which is, which is awesome stuff because 
we have to be good judges. And in order to be good judges, we have to increase in wisdom. And in order to increase in wisdom, we have to increase our knowledge. And that means learning. And that means learning from life and learning from books and learning from others. I knew a woman once who, um, oh, she was such a good example to me. She said that she wanted to learn about service. And so she decided to serve. And she set about trying to do more service than she had ever done and to do all kinds of different service and to brainstorm the different types of service that could be done. And she had learned immense amounts about service by doing it. And I think the, I think the problem that we find ourselves in in modern day America or in the modern world kind of goes back to my experience on Instagram. And that is that there's... There's these ideas, like Covey was saying, that love is a feeling. And he goes on to talk about how Hollywood really kind of sells us a bag of goods in terms of if you're not feeling it, it's okay. If, if, if you don't want to do more, you can get out. If you're tired, then it's okay to be done. And, and I've said this other places, I say this too in the, in the Mission Driven Life book, that, and, and, and it was Peck that, that clued me into this originally, that the opposite of love is not hatred, it's laziness. And that goes back to this idea of the will. In order to truly love, we have to be willing, as I've talked about in in other podcasts, and we have to exercise our will to act, to take actions of love and not care so much about how we're currently feeling. C.S. Lewis talks about this. Um, He says that, I love this part, he says, some writers use the word charity to describe not only Christian love between human beings, but also God's love for man and man's love for God. About the second of these two, people are often worried. They are told they ought to love God. They cannot find any such feeling in themselves. What are they to do? The answer is the same as before. Act as if you did. Do not sit around trying to manufacture feelings. Ask yourself, if I were sure that I loved God, what would I do? When you have found the answer, go and do it. On the whole, God's love for us is a a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. Nobody can always have devout feelings, and even if we could, feelings are not what God principally cares about. And when I read that sentence, I'll tell you, I thought differently about scripture from that moment on. I started looking for it, especially because there's such an emphasis on psychotherapy and therapy in our day that we're supposed to get our feelings out. We're supposed to get in touch with our feelings. We're supposed to get in touch with the child within. We're supposed to, um, we're supposed to, we can get out of things when we're not feeling love. We're supposed to pay attention to these feelings all the time. And, and, and our thoughts is the same kind of thing. You know, what are we thinking? And our thoughts are tied to our feelings. And we get so caught up spending all our time thinking about our thoughts and our feelings that we don't think enough about our actions. And if you, if you go back to scripture, it almost doesn't even matter the religion, (laughs) the Many of the of the key components are about actions. And 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 I clued into this years ago, and, and this sentence was kind of the catalyst for helping me think differently about this. And that was to realize that 
yes, there are a few places in which God says we need to be careful about our thoughts. And that is absolutely true. We need to try to control them and, and not just act out on our feelings, but that if we'll just take certain actions, those feelings will eventually follow. He goes on, Christian love, either towards God or towards man, is an affair of the will. If we are trying to do his will, we are obeying the commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He will give us feelings of love if he pleases. Um, and so, it and, and it usually happens. It usually happens that feelings of love follow actions of love and that we can produce those. And so when we act toward ourselves as if we loved ourselves, and I, and I challenge you to take that question if I loved my spouse, if I was sure I loved my spouse, what would I do? If I was sure I loved myself, what would I do? If I was sure I loved my neighbor, what would I do? If I was sure I loved God, what would I do? And when you found the answer, go and do it. And recognize that as you take loving actions towards yourself, you will have a greater capacity to love those around you. And the reason that love of God is the first law of life mission and the first great commandment is because God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So that's the secondary part, right? What's the great commandment? To love God. If you love me, what do you do? You keep the commandments. What are the commandments? They're natural laws and principles. I want to see if I can... Um, I want to find this part for you really quickly because it's so fantastic when, um, okay, here it is. This is C.S. Lewis. There's a story about a schoolboy who was asked what he thought God was like. He replied that as far as he could make out, God was, quote, the sort of person who's always snooping around to see if anyone is enjoying himself and then trying to stop it. <laughs> And I'm afraid that this is the sort of idea that the word morality raises in a good many people's minds. Something that interferes, something that stops you having a good time. In reality, moral rules, and in this case, we're talking about natural laws and principles, commandments that we follow because we love God, are directions for running the human machine. Every rule is there to prevent a breakdown or a strain or a friction in the running of that machine. That is why these rules at first seem to be constantly interfering with our natural inclinations. When you are being taught how to use any machine, the instructor keeps on saying, no, don't do it like that because of course, there are all sorts of things that look all right and seem to you the natural way of treating the machine, but do not really work. And so we run around as human beings and we think we know what love is and we think it's about a feeling and we think we understand what it means to love ourselves and it's indulging and taking vacations with our girlfriends or it's to put everybody else's needs above our own needs all the time and to get walked on and to not have boundaries or whatever we think love is that is usually a distortion of true love, of real love. And, and that is why it's so critical to keep some of these key components in mind when considering these two great laws, when asking yourself, am I really, really obeying the two greatest commandments? Well, how well do I understand love? And how well am I loving my God, myself, and my neighbor? Because that's, that's really where it all begins. And I want to finish out 
with something that I, uh, something else I, I really hope will help you because this insight has also made a huge difference for me. And that is to ask myself how God loves me. When I do that, everything changes. Because, you know, I asked myself the question, does God always feel loving feelings toward me <laughs> or toward, you know, or toward many of his children? I would guess that he does not. He expresses anger, wrath, disappointment, uh, frustration, all these, all these emotions in conjunction with his children, toward his children, which means those loving feelings aren't always there. And if that's the case, then I know for sure that, that love is about actions and about willingness far more than it's about feelings. And I know that even when he's not feeling, quote, feeling loving toward me, he still is loving me. And how is he doing that? He's laying down the instructions. He's giving me the instructions for how to make this human machine run smoothly, for how to make my life more productive and, for, and fulfilling, for how to solve the problems that I run up against every day. And, and when I listen to those instructions, then I'm obeying him and loving him. And this reciprocal relationship of his love for me and my love for him grows and grows and grows. I want to finish up with something really beautiful by um, N. Scott Peck, uh, again, that I, that I hope will inspire you as, as much as it's inspired me. Call it what you will. Genuine love, with all the discipline that it requires, is the only path in this life to substantial joy. Take another path and you will find rare moments of ecstatic joy, but they will be fleeting and progressively more elusive. When I genuinely love, I am extending myself. And when I am extending myself, I am growing. The more I love, the longer I love, the larger I become. Genuine love is self-replenishing. The more I nurture the spiritual growth of others, the more my spiritual growth is nurtured. Thank you so much for joining me for this brief discussion about love and the two great laws. I hope it's been enriching for you. If you've not read The Mission Driven Life, head over to themissiondrivenmom.com to get your free copy of the ebook and the audio book, and I will see you next time.